Listener Production. You're listening to Darling Shine, a podcast by myself, Elodie Pullen, and me, Chloe Fisher. A place where we ground womanhood's unspoken experiences from grief to fertility and everything in between. Join us while we transform our pain into power, encompassing all emotions ugly and beautiful. Darling Shine is your chosen family and your survival kit for the unexpected shit life throws at you. Hey darlings, producer Carly here. Even though we are officially well and truly into a new year, this week we're going to reflect on some of our favourite guests from 2023. We'll kick off this episode with the second most listened to episode of the entire year. From back in late March in an episode titled M. Carey Skydiving Gone Wrong, this episode went truly viral. We had an Instagram reel that just exploded and then I think a TikTok reel that, do they even call them reels on TikTok? Hello. (laughs) This Gen X chick has no idea. Uh, But we had like 14 million views or something absolutely ridiculous like that over on TikTok. So this episode really did go viral and it couldn't have happened to a more lovely human. Here is M. Carey speaking of the day she fell from the sky. You are the girl that fell from the sky and I just, like, can't stop thinking about all the pickup lines that guys must be like, <laughs> you look like such an angel. Did it hurt yeah, when like, you fell from the sky? Yeah, I fucking did. So, yeah. yeah. Are you fucking overhearing that? People say that to you. I used to have it in my, like, Tinder bio and then I thought, what am I doing? <gasps> yeah. Like, <laughs> move if, on. If you don't laugh, you'll cry. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, exactly. Literally. But I've heard all the jokes for sure. Oh, doll. Oh, I am yeah. so scared of heights, so I would never skydive ever. It's not for me. This probably isn't going to help you. for that. No, it's, it's not going to help, but I'm definitely not going to yeah. do it regardless. Right. But I want to hear your story. Okay. Well, have you done it? I've skydived twice and I'll never do it again. <laughs> I did it before hearing your story. And do you yeah. know what? The second time I skydived, I, you know, oh, I was, oh, bless. I'm so sorry. I was just about to say, you know, when you're parachuting at the end and you're like going like Actually, this. don't know. Yeah, know fuck. <laughs> and I was vomiting because I was like, I feel like I'm on a boat and I was just like, Bleh, and I spewed all over me and the guy. Anyway, this podcast isn't about me today. <laughs> so I don't like skydiving for that reason, but. Okay. So no one here likes skydiving. No. <laughs> so, well, yeah, it all happened when I was 20 and I decided to go to Europe on a trip around Europe. It's just something I'd, oh, I didn't know anything that I wanted to do in life or that I knew that was that I wanted to travel. So I was like, all right, let's go to Europe, do the whole thing. And when we got to Switzerland, I decided to skydive and I did it with my best friend, Gemma, who was terrified. She was like, you oh, was adamant her whole life. Like she was never going to do it. It weird thinking yep. about it. I'm like, oh my God. And I was did just you like, like make her do it? Made, forced her. So can you oh, imagine God, <laughs> if it happened to her instead? I have fucking goosebumps. Like yeah. literally look at my arm hairs. They're like a kilometre long right so, now. Yeah. So first time you've ever skydived. First time you, I'd ever done it and okay. it was tandem. And going into it, it sounds so silly now, but there was not even an ounce of nerves. Like I didn't register that it was dangerous. I think because, no. you know, when you're overseas, life doesn't really feel real. Yeah. You're like, whatever happens over here, you know, it's not going to affect my real life back home. I had that kind of feeling. But also when you're going to, you're paying to do skydiving, these guys are professionals, you're like doing this, like, like you know, it's, possibly go wrong. you know, everyone yeah. does it. You're yeah. like, let's do it. I, yeah. I completely get where you're coming yeah, from. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so the, on the way up in the helicopter, I was just nothing but excited. Poor Gemma was crying her eyes out. Oh, um, the and then thing. when we jumped out, I was 
again, loving it. The So the beginning part that was meant to be the free fall was the first 30 seconds or whatever. I remember loving it so much thinking I'm going to become a skydiver. Like that's how much I was into it. And I'm sure a lot of people have that feeling. That feeling of just like the free fall. Did you just like that becomes the adrenaline. I just felt so, yeah, so energized and alive and just like I was doing exactly what I was meant to be doing. And then they say when you feel a tap on your shoulder, you cross your arms over your chest. And so I felt the tap on my shoulder, cross my arms, and that's when they're meant to pull the parachute. And... I expected to feel like a big jolt and then mm. slow down, but we didn't. All I kind of felt was my hair being ripped backwards. And I thought it was so weird that no one had warned me that it hurts, like that your hair gets ripped out. I was like, that's, that's weird. But because I'd never done it, I had nothing to compare it to, right? So I didn't initially know that something was wrong. But as more time went on, and it would have been like seconds, right? Getting closer I, yeah. Yeah, like literally seconds. Yeah. But it's weird because time in this moment didn't, feel real because it felt so slow, but at the same time, so fast. Like I had so much time to think, but it would have only been a few seconds. No. And so I was calling out to the instructor and he wasn't responding. And I thought like, well, maybe he just can't hear me over the wind. Oh, no. But I was like, hey, well, you okay? And he just wasn't responding. And I was like, okay, well, I'm sure he's doing everything he can. But then the moment I really realized was I saw a scrunched up parachute in front of us instead oh, no, of no, no. above us and open. And how you're just laughing right now. I don't know what, like, I might want to cry, but I want to laugh, but I've got goosebumps. So I'm like, it's not oh, funny. Makes me feel like I'm not, I want to spew. It's a long time ago. We're all, we're all fine. It's all good. But that's when I realized, and I thought 100%, like, this is it. I didn't think it would be possible to survive that, obviously. And I was still calling out to him, but I, because oh. I, my hair was like pulled backwards, I couldn't even see if the instructor was even attached to me still. Literally. So for all I knew, I was like, maybe I'm just somehow. You could feel him I'm behind you? Well, I, I just didn't, I didn't really know. It was all so. It was happening. Yeah. And like yeah. Just so like, I was like, maybe I've fallen off him somehow. Like I honestly didn't know. <sighs> oh, God, and then we hit the ground and somehow I wasn't knocked unconscious at all. I, rem- I was oh completely awake the entire time. Did you think you're in heaven? Yeah, I was like, surely I've died. Like, surely this is it. And then the next feeling that I had was just the most intense pain throughout my whole body. And I was like, I've gone to hell. It's clear you loved the family vibes, whether it was Cooper, Karen or Alison. They were some of your favourite episodes. Aren't they a bunch of lovable characters? Seriously. In this episode, creatively titled... Meet Chloe's mum, Alison, from June 2023. Here's Alison. Isn't she a hoot? Can we talk about travelling? Because I just, I know that you hate oh, airports. Far out. It's like, I laugh at her, but it's actually, I've like, people have these phobias and like, you know, it's a serious, you know, it's a serious thing and you can't laugh about it all the time. But mum, we brought her to Europe a few years ago and... um Honestly, I've never met someone who's scared, so scared of the airport. Like her anxiety, even when she's up here on the Gold Coast visiting us and she has to get on a plane back to Sydney, which is just like a small domestic airport vibe. She's at the airport three or four hours early, just like she packs her bags three times before it's like, wow. Or she comes up for one weekend and she's like, I'm just going to bring a backpack. And she rocks up with like a big suitcase. But you've got a proper phobia of airports, yeah? It's more of the checking in and the overweight yeah, but I did have a bit of a funny time travelling with Chloe and Paul and her friend Ellie King. We all went away and going from airport to airport and, and me having my bag and then getting there and Paul going, oh, you're going to be freaking overweight. I'm saying, mate, I freaking know if I'm even there. Then I'm going, okay, Ellie, can you have a little bit? Chloe, open your bag. Paul, can you just, oh, for fuck's sake, honest. Alison, he said, can you just, I said, mate, I, I try to bring not too much stuff, but then 
I heard you also ask complete strangers if you can put stuff in their bag too. Oh, can I you talk that. to us I about know, that? I know, I did that, did that. I was I was coming up to the Gold Coast. Cooper had some oh, some function somewhere and I had to bring these white sand shoes of his up and I got to the gate and I'm thinking, oh, my God, and I, had, and I got to the jet star and they're weighing your, like, hand luggage in and I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, oh, my God, and I had these shoes and I'm, there's a young guy sitting beside me. I said, oh, hi, and he goes, how you going? I went, mate, <laughs> see that bag beside you? I said, have you got anything else in that bag? He goes, no, no, I said, do me a huge favour. And guess what? I said, these white sand shoes are my sons. I said, I know they're going to hit me when I get to that. They're going to re, re um, weigh my bags. I'm going to get hit up. I said, any chance you can take these white leather sand shoes of my sons because they're going to weigh over and I'll meet you at the other end of the get an airport. He goes, yeah, I said, what seat number are you in? He goes, I'm this. I said, I'm in this. I said, I'm going to wait for you when I get off the plane so I can get the shoes so I won't be overweight. And he said, yeah, no worries. You did it. I honestly, I, the, I the, it's morally like you'd think it's the right thing to do, but I would probably not take something off a stranger to put in my bag and meet them at the other Fuck end. no. But he did it. God love him. Silly I boy. would also never ask. I'd literally pay $400 for overweight <laughs> rather than ask a random. Fully. <laughs> she panic. panic ask. Yeah. Oh, wow, he it. must have been panicking too and going, oh, God, she better not have drugs in her shoes, this chick. <laughs> no, no, no. He, did he, he check? Was, uh, he was all good. Just met him at the other end and I got up before him. I sat there and he said, what is your shoes? I went, thank you so much. <laughs> Didn't get the extra overweight. But, yeah, just the thought of those jet star ladies are even scarier. Virgin are good. Virgin are good. They're, they're pretty cool. But just those jet scar ladies when you get to the end, I'm like, oh, my God. Jet scar. You're scarred by the <laughs> Jet scar. Yeah, they scar you, don't Jet they? scar ladies. <laughs> jet scar ladies. But anyway, yeah, I do have a bit of a phobia. Now, if we're going to meet one of the mums, we can't leave out the other, can we? It's time to hear from the Greek goddess and fashion guru, Karen. This episode was aired in late May and is called, creatively once again, Meet Elodie's Mum, Kaz. So after Chumpy passed away, naturally Karen has come straight to Elle's house and she's moved in and she's... In the little spare room, she's got a little cosy. She's made herself very at home in that little room. Um, and uh, you and Chump were so close as well, Karen. Like, obviously, mm. you guys all saw each other a lot and you've been there by Elle's side because she's obviously needs you so much. How did you feel like you were able to cope with that grief within yourself when you're trying so hard to comfort your daughter? Oh, it was a tricky time because uh, I'm a natural protector and I just wanted to wrap her up. And that pissed me off. And man. that, <laughs> and we bounced off each other really, really badly. And emotions were flying high and Elodie, you know, there's anger and resentment. And I guess she had to take it out somewhere and I, and I copped it and I responded very badly. I could, I should, I, sh- I responded back with emotion and no. you should never do that. No, you know, you, you yeah. should you identify emotion, you diffuse it, and you act in spite of it. But no, I'd, I'd go, I'd have a shot back. And and we bounced off each other really badly. And Elodie and I had always had a very easy-flowing relationship mm. until th- that period of time. It was almost like, it's almost until um, the baby was born, actually, it lasted. Um, but, like, <clears throat> grief does crazy things oh, to people. Oh, it does crazy things to people. And mothers and daughters at the best of times are fucking... In, and like I think at the end of the day, you, you guys know. are both in this like fight or flight mode where you're just oh, yeah. like, you're basically just fighting for survival, the two of you in your own yeah. ways. And you deal you deal with grief, exactly what you said, completely mm. different. And so mm. you're both trying to, I mean, you're just mm. trying to stay I'm just trying to head above water day. and you're like, you know, you're trying to help. And it's just like, it's, 
And mum's actually, you're probably more of an introvert and I'm an extrovert. And we were yep, just both definitely. trying to survive. We are both grieving. We both didn't know what the fuck was going on. And I reckon we were taking everything out on each other. I think we were taking everything out on each other. Um, and it was just a bad time. We'd, we didn't have a, we'd lost our flow. And I yeah. couldn't, didn't feel like I could tap into you and you, we, we were mm. disconnected. Um, it was just so weird and awful. But I guess that's just what happens Yeah, when trauma hits. You know, you you're kind of knocking against each other instead of mm-hmm. flowing. In saying that, nothing at that time could or should be normal. Do you know what I mean? Oh, we were no. just all in turmoil. No. There's no normal. There's no and normal. But I, I, I'm, I hope that I kind of gave you confidence and a little bit of grounding. Uh, you you did, know, if, and made you feel a bit secure. Yeah. Yeah. It's like... Just to like elaborate so people listening don't just think we were just like literally fighting like cat and dog. Mm. It was just that we were living together and I'm third, well, I was 28 and just like to have my mum living back in my family home that I was meant to have with my partner and I was meant to have our kids and stuff and then just like him just suddenly like die and then have my mum move in and just fucking trying to wrap me in cotton wool. Mm. And I'm just like, what the fuck's going on? Mm. Like, I love you Mm. so much, but fuck, what are you doing here? Where's Chump? Like, I'm all just having this. It was just a really, obviously loving in that every day would be like, yeah. let's go out for coffee, let's let's do shit. Like we were like a soundboard for each other because we're both going through so much but also taking everything out on each That's other right. because you, you were there every night and I'd be yeah. like fucking crying or talking shit and we'd just get into fights because yeah. we both didn't mm. know how to handle the that, weight and of And it was everything. a matter of damned what you, damned what you do and damned what you don't yeah. do. And we couldn't get past the family section without hearing from Chloe's delightful little bro, Cooper. He always has something insightful to say. And in this episode from late June called Kindness, Mental Health and Being a Good Human with Cooper Chapman, he is reflecting on the impact of a year of sobriety. Cooper has just done a year without alcohol. And that in itself, I think, is pretty legendary because Malta was his first, well, first week, like weekend from not drinking for one whole year. Can you just let us know why you did that and how you did that and did you learn anything from that? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess you guys both know, you've both been guests on my podcast, Good Humans, and I had um, a neuroscientist on the podcast, this awesome chick called Nicole Vignola, about in April 2020. Too. And we we're just talking about the effects of a whole bunch of things on the brain from drugs, exercise, sex, um, nutrition. And we spoke about what happens in the brain with alcohol. And just, I was just kind of sitting there going, like, far out. We all literally like poison ourselves all the time. And it's just socially accepted. Like, it's weird if you don't, it's like the one drug that you have to, you have, a, you have to explain to people why you don't take it. And I was just sitting there and I was like, oh, I'm doing this mental health stuff. I'm trying to take better care of myself. And I was about two weeks away from my 28th birthday. And I was like, you know what? I've done 18 to 28, 10 years drinking. Maybe I can do one year off, 10 years on, one year off. So I was like, I told her on the podcast, you know what? I'm going to take a year off drinking. And then from a week later, just decided, hey, I'm not doing it. And it was interesting. I think because I set like the year, it made it not easy, but I was like, I just literally in my head just said like, no, you, you, you just aren't drinking for a year. There's no like temptation or anything. It's just, that just isn't you for this next 12 months. And it was, a lot of things changed. My lifestyle and my kind of friendship groups changed. But I think now when I go back home after this trip, I'll be in a 
different mindset with it. Like on the weekends, I haven't been going like, oh, what's like I kind of need to do yeah. something this weekend. I'm like, okay, this weekend I can actually rest. I used to think in my head like a really hungover Sunday in bed all day was me getting rest. But then now that I did a year where I'd actually go to the farmer's market on a Saturday morning, get really nice food, have a good dinner on a Saturday night, wake up even if I sleep in on a Sunday and actually be recharged. And my productivity and my business has just like skyrocketed basically since I stopped drinking last year from May forward. I remember having a chat with Chloe around April and she was like, oh, you really like going to keep going with the good human factory thing. Maybe you can come and do some work with Fizz like to get some more money going. And then I stopped drinking a few weeks later and then like so many things in my business really started to take off. And I don't think it was directly because of that, but I think just that more motivation and more productivity was such a big eye-opener for me. And then just I went out a bunch of times. Like I went to a few Fisher shows. I went and watched a lot of friends DJing out at night. And it was just really interesting. I'd see other people like getting loose and having fun, but coming from a place of no judgment, being like, wow, that was me for so long. And it probably will be me again one day. But like just actually witnessing it and going like, woof, okay, I don't need to be like that all the time. And what I noticed was most of the time people would be like, oh, why aren't you having a drink? And you'd be like, oh, I'm trying to take a year off. And then they'll be like, oh, come on, just have one. And then I'd be like, no, no, I'm just trying to do like something for mm. myself. And almost everyone would go like, oh, I wish I could do that. And what I started to realize was like, who's in control? Like me personally, do I have the urgency over my own body and my own decisions? Or do the people around me and the alcohol companies who are spending millions of dollars paying for the best marketing and all these different psychological marketing tricks to tell you that it's okay to drink? And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take back control myself. And yeah, I got through the 12 months and didn't have a drop of alcohol and I made up for it in Malta, but it was, um, yeah, it's really good. Ex- <laughs> it, it's a good experience to know that I can do it. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, I've got control. I know that I can if I want to stop. Wow. That's amazing. And how did you feel, like, body-wise, like, inside your – how was the liver, bro? (laughs) To be honest, I mean, obviously coming from a professional athlete background, like, I feel like I'm always pretty healthy. So there wasn't, like, this crazy, like, oh, my God, I feel a million times better. I'm never going to go back to drinking, like – it wasn't this big thing. It was more so this mental thing, knowing that I have that control, knowing that I have that choice. It's like, it's like, if you can't say no, then it's like, like, I feel like a good like little quote is like discipline equals freedom. If you don't have the discipline to say no, then you're not really free. You're at the pool of everyone else around you. It's like, do you want the full freedom? Like when you have discipline to say no, wow. that's like true freedom. That's so crazy. I've never thought about it that way. That's wild. I'm not free. <laughs> I'm not free at all. Now that we have the family covered, we had a couple of great guests later on in the 2023 season. As Chloe took some time out to look after herself, she came back feeling super inspired. That now infamous honeymoon, you know, the one where it rained and rained and rained and so that all that was left to do was play you know and, as Fisher said, go to baby town. (laughs) This meant that Chloe and Fish watched a few documentaries on topics of interest. One of them was about longevity and it just so happened that I have a friend who's a bit of an expert in that field, Marcus Pierce. So here's Marcus from The Longevity and the Secrets of the Blue Zones with Marcus Pierce episode from very early in November. Tell us about biohacking and give us a good example of it. 
I'm jaded. I'm jaded. I'm, I, I like, look, I'm 42. You girls are in your 30s, yeah? Yeah. I like rituals. I love habits. I love practices. But what I would say is what use are all the biohacks known to man or woman if you hate your family, you've got no friends, you don't have any fun, you hate your job, you're scratching for money, but you've got all of the biohacks in the world. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I've never seen anyone in Ikaria do yoga. No disrespect to yoga. I love yoga. But, like, they're not, like, biohacking their way through flexibility. Mm. I've never seen them meditate. Again, we love to meditate, but I've never seen them meditate. They would live meditatively. So in the moment, they are looking Present. at you. They are focused on you you. And because they're living a slower life, they're not doing ice bars and breath work because they're breathing well anyway. So again, I'm not dissing anything that I've just mentioned because some of my best friends are in breath work and hot cold therapy and all the rest of it. Like I love them all. But I think we've got to be just really cautious of how fulfilled are you in life? Are you like being really awesome with your wife and kids, your family, your friends? Are you great at work? Are you looking after yourself nutritionally? Are you having fun in your life? So many people are bored out of their brains but biohacking themselves within like an inch of their life, but they're having no fun. And are you spending more than you earn? Like if you're going broke quickly, biohacking, like, oh, I don't know. It just doesn't feel, <laughs> doesn't feel that awesome. Okay. I'm not biohacking yet. I'm just imagining the people in Ikara. Ikaria, yeah. Yeah, just like no one's ever been stressed there. No one's ever walked faster than fucking a turtle there. Everyone's just cruising. laughing, laughing, laughing. But it's not out of... They're laughing at us, but... But <laughs> I say this with love to all of us poor people trying to put our best lives together. In yes. Ikaria, Sardinia, any longevity culture... It's innate. Like they've learned it from their parents who learned it from their parents who learned it from their parents. Like they don't have to wake up and go, how do I live my best life? Mm. It's it's built into them. Like we do have to wake up going, how do I live my best life? So I'm I'm not meaning to be cheeky, but like we do have to biohack because we're we're wanting to work out. <laughs> well, do I want to meditate? Like, do I want to go vegan? Do I want to have a meat-free Monday? Do I want to shave with avocado? Like, I remember doing salt flushes and completely stuffing it up. I don't know if you guys know what a salt flush is, but you put like all this salt in a liter of water and you have it yeah, on an Ellie's empty tried stomach. That one before. Yeah, and I did yeah, it on a full stomach. She tried it on a full stomach. <laughs> Yeah, how did your one go down? Oh, my, I, I have never everywhere? been so pregnant in my life. I was heaving and my wife was pissing herself in the office whilst I'm going, babe, I'm in trouble. I'm in so much trouble. Like, help me. Yeah, so never do a salt flush on a, on a full stomach. That's a bit of deja vu for me. I spewed basically all over Chloe and her <laughs> kitchen. In my kitchen sink. You're joking. So then you kind of learn and go, oh, maybe not. Like, maybe that's not what I'm going to do. But some people do it, whether it's colonics. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, everyone's got their yeah. thing. Is the thing really that important? I'm like, do you go gluten-free or do you forgive your parents? Do you go gluten-free or do you, like, work on your relationship? Do you go gluten-free or do you spend more time with your friends? Like, I don't know. Unless you've got a really bad gut health issue, I think the other three things are probably more important to have a great life. I love that so much, hey. <laughs> it does make so much sense and it's, yeah, it's so simple, you know. Stop counting calories and oh. fucking embrace life. Yeah, 
Another doco Chloe watched on her break came from the Imperfects' Hugh Van Kylenberg. He did a doco which is available on Prime called GEM, G-E-M. And here's a snippet from this episode, also from November, though this one was a little further towards the end of the month, called Vulnerability, Gratitude and Connection with Hugh Van Kylenberg. That morning, the next morning, I did an interview for, uh, what was it, Dave Hughes' radio show in Sydney. I don't know what it is, but him and um, Ed Coverley. And Aaron Nolan, Dave Hughes finished the interview by saying, he said, um, anyway, I know you're in Melbourne right now, lockdown, so I better check, um, are you okay? And up to that point, I'd been telling everyone I was fine because I'm the resilience guy, so I have to be fine. And it caught me so off guard that I remember going, I'm totally and utterly broken. And I nearly started crying. And I was like, whoa, what have I just said? Like, that is not good for my brand. And they were a bit caught off guard. They're like, okay, good one, mate. Hope you're okay. Uh, next up, we're going to the choppers and go to the traffic. <laughs> Um, Classic. And I went inside to my wife and said, um, so I've just admitted to however many people listen to Husey in the morning that I'm not okay. And she goes, what do you mean you're not okay? And that was the moment that I just said, I'm really struggling. I have been for a while now. And it was that was what I said before. Like the second I said it, that I'm not coping, I was very teary. And I was like, I was so quickly filled by this feeling of humility of like, just because I'm the resilience person doesn't mean that I'm okay all the time. That's a ridiculous mm-hmm like assumption to make and I need to get some help here. I want to, I'm going to work my way through this. And that was probably the moment that I really embraced vulnerability. I started telling everyone, we did an episode on the podcast where I just just said to everyone, uh, I'm not okay at the moment and I'm going to be, but right now I'm not. And here's why I'm not okay. Here's what I'm going to do. I just went on the biggest learning journey of my life. That's kind of what the second book is. The second book I wrote is called Let Go. And every chapter is a different session from my psychologist, basically, because Every session I had in my psych, she was like, I just, I just kept, after every session, I, she was like, you got to let go of that. And it was something else I had to let go of, whether it was ego, whether it was expectations, whether it was my addiction to social media. You know, all these things that I was like, the shame that I had around the way I was when my sister was sick, all this stuff. And that's what sort of formed my second book. And that's kind of when I went, my gosh, vulnerability is like this superpower. And I unlocked this new part of my life where I was like, it changed everything. It was absolutely life-changing. It's an amazing thing to be able to be vulnerable, especially on the platforms that we have because, you know, I think as well, you give off so much energy and that takes a lot to give, to give, give, give all the time. And we only just had something really similar. Well, I mean, I did personally on our podcast maybe about a month or two ago. I actually came out and I was like, I'm so not okay. We've been, my husband and I have been trying to conceive for nearly four years. We've had like yep. four miscarriages, like, it just got oh. like hectic. And a lot of our listeners come over to want to know my, our journey. And that's what like, not that they're not here for that, but it's actually took me learning to be like, guys, I'm not okay. I need to take some time off, right? My own mental health work on me. And also like try and really understand that it's not always about that one thing. Like, you know, you, you, you are the resilience guy, but you're also so much more than that. And I think that that's what, like, I got on a call with, like, Elodie and our producer and and the team at Listener, and they're like, hey, you got to understand that, like, people are going to come and listen to this podcast regardless, whether you talk about your fertility or or you're not. And I think it it was the scariest thing ever to be so vulnerable on such a, a platform that goes out to so many people. And I feel like I've grown so much of it as a human since doing that. And I don't know, I just feel like, do you... Do you feel like ever since you've kind of done that, 
people have come out of the woodworks and they've actually kind of expressed to you as well, like they feel comfortable with talking to you that they're not okay and you don't have to be happy all the time. Yeah, yeah, yes, definitely. But before I move on to that, like, gosh, what a tough thing for you to go through. I'm so sorry that to, you know, Thanks. that's, I've, I've got quite a few friends who've been on a similar journey and it's like, it's not spoken about a lot, but it's a, it's a, a pretty brutal journey. Yeah. Oh, pretty brutal is an understatement, but it's a brutal journey to go on and, and I'm sorry that, that that's what you're going through. But I have to say, like, you sharing that, the amount of people that would have felt strength from that and would have felt, just hearing their story and you would have made them feel so much less alone. We, we, we haven't been through that. We've been through a, a different journey, my wife and I, and every time we hear someone talk about the stuff we're going through, it just makes you feel a lot less alone. So I think it's so so incredible that you instinctively went with that. I think it's just amazing. And I think the more people are like you in that situation, I think one of the biggest issues we have now with social media is we feel, ironically, we feel a lot more alone than we ever have before. I mean, this generation now that's come through, the generation that's come through growing up on devices, ironically, is the loneliest um, generation we've ever seen, in, according to all the data, the loneliest generation there is. And so I think people like you coming out and saying what you've said will help to connect this community that desperately needs to feel connected. So I think it's so, so great that you did that. I really do. There are so many other fabulous guests we've had on this year, but I did want to finish with this lovely human. Bianca Innes was the youngest person in Australia to have been diagnosed with breast cancer when she was just 20 back in 2017. She is such a warm and delightful human and a really great storyteller. So if you missed this one back in early October, it's well worth a listen. So in that moment, like what were you, what the hell was going through your mind? Like I was 20. I think that what would be going through my head now would be a little bit different. But at the time, literally, the first thing I asked her is, am I going to lose my hair? That was the first thing that I asked. Because when you're 20 and turning 21, I didn't know anyone that had cancer. I didn't, you don't see people in the street with it. You didn't see it on social media. My thing was, is that people are going to know that I am sick and they are going to pity me. They are going to exclude me, treat me differently. And and I'd, I've gone through a lot in my life already where I've experienced that. And I didn't want this to be another defining moment. So I literally, I said to her, am I going to lose my hair? And she just turned around and said, oh, don't worry, it'll grow back. Oh my God. What about your dad and your brother? How were they? Because obviously, because men actually can get breast cancer too, am I correct? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So it's like not a common thing. Obviously, the stats come out like the following year of how that year looks. And just to give a bit of perspective, in 2017, there was 17,586 women diagnosed with breast cancer and 144 men in Australia, with only one of those being 20 years old or younger. And I was that one. No fucking way. Yeah. Oh my God. And like statistically, what's the usual age range of someone to be diagnosed with cancer? Like it's way higher than 20, obviously. Well, it's obviously, it's very dependent because there is so many different types of cancer. But with breast cancer, from speaking to my doctors, they hadn't seen anyone this age. So they were kind of, they were basing all of their plans off women 30 and up. 
because mm. it's something, 100%. you know, as women, it's something that I think it's something that our mums spoke about and our aunties and our grandmothers. And it was, it was something that as young women, we really didn't experience. Our breasts are at a young age, they're there because they probably look great and you can get them out and you've got a bagging body in your 20s and 30s and then you get to have babies and you get to nourish them. And then later in life, you kind of get to this point that that you don't see them that way anymore. And I think that that's also when people are diagnosed with breast cancer in those ages, there's so much more information for them because Mm. they've already been through all these other ring rolls of life. And before we wrap... I'm not going to play a clip from this episode, but I do want to send out a huge congratulations to Prue Craven. Now, Prue featured in an episode back in early July this year called Born Without a Uterus, Prue Craven's Story. Prue was born without a uterus and went on to become Australia's third recipient of a uterus transplant. And she is now 20 weeks pregnant. We at Darling Shine are just so stoked for her and that episode is well worth a listen. And that's it for this episode. Now, I know you are all busting to hear more from Chloe on her pregnancy, so stay tuned. We are going to kick off season five very, very, very soon and it's going to be huge. See you next week. Producer Carly out. Producer Carly out.